understand what what crypto and what is was what what our government is trying to do to us and why they don't want us in crypto but you're here, you're on the cutting edge don't be a worker be an owner in that space right whatever you whoever you're working for whatever you're doing make sure you own the digital real estate to it as well and three two one you're listening to the Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shands. Let's get it. All right, welcome back. Part two of the Social Proof 7 Real Estate Edition. Yeah. Absolutely sponsored by my sister Terry Igioma. I need y'all to go to tradeandtravel.com. Do me a favor while you're here. Send her a message and say thank you. Thank you for sponsoring something that's going to help the culture. At Terry T, you're not gonna grab your phone? You're not gonna grab your phone? Just send her a message, you know? I'm looking at you. T E R I I J I O M A. That's correct, right? You spelled that correctly, Joe? Yep. Okay. You ain't just sounded out, right? Good. That's what's up. Make sure you uh, just tell us. So thank you. We're, we're checking it out. I heard what you did. Um, but also she is a master, master investor. Okay. She understands how to flip money from the comfort of your own home. Again, she is the number one teaching platform on Teachable. There are tens of thousands of content creators and course creators. She's the number one and she's a black woman. So can we clap that up? Can I come here? Okay. Let's jump into it. We're gonna get some. We're gonna do Q and A in just a moment. But um, before we get into everybody's strategy, it was interesting where you said you own all your properties outright, hundred percent. You own all your properties, no mm-hmm. debt. No, I have no debt. Free and clear. You got no, debt? debt. You have debt. Yes. You got debt. Wow, I, I got debt. Okay, because I, I would like to have that discussion because it seems like I would be more of more attracted to that strategy of like I just don't. You wouldn't. No? <laughs> no. No? Okay. Can we, no. Okay, let me talk. Let me ask why you um, approach it that way. And let's kind of talk about debt as well. So, um, It was just happenstance for me because everything I learned was through experience. So, again, I didn't have knowledge of credit. So, I didn't know about leveraging at the time. So, I made do with what I had. But then when I realized it was easy to sustain, I was like, ooh. And then it was more freedom. I was like, ooh. But there are also times where you might be spending large sums of money at your bank account at once, and it's like, ooh, instead of ooh. So um, it's not for the faint of heart. However, it works for me. That's right. like me and my husband, we got this whole thing. It's great. Infinite banking helps to supplement what would be like a traditional loan anyway. So anybody that I know who invests, like even being up here amongst these amazing investors, I heard everyone say the same thing, which was don't over leverage. Even if they didn't use those words, they said, do not over leverage. So in order to combat the fear of, you know, the market crashing or correcting itself or moving around, listen, the market could start twerking tomorrow and I would be okay. <laughs> I'd be unaffected completely, but it is a preference. Um, everybody has to start somewhere and they have to work with what they're comfortable. Gosh, can I hear some different perspectives? Oh, you, you can grab it orders real quick. Um, can I hear some like perspectives on why why doesn't everybody do that? And not it's also not it's also market specific. Uh, so certain markets you can go to a tax auction and buy a house for five thousand, ten thousand. In Houston, I can't do that. It's the most competitive investor market in the country. So a lot of foreign investors park their money there. And you're an affiliate. Yeah. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Right. So how she can get for fifty. For 15, I'd probably pay 115 for because the investors, like like he said earlier, if your money is not in an asset and it's in a bank account, in other countries, sometimes there's negative interest. So the bank actually charges you for your money to sit there. No way. Yes. Why yes. would that be the case when they use your money to invest? I have no idea. Maybe, I don't know. But there are certain countries where, where that happens. So some of those foreign investors would rather invest in the US, make 5, 10%, whereas Doug wants to buy a 65 cents on the dollar. They'll buy a 90 cents on the dollar at the same auction. Gotcha. And I guess that does make sense if if that country's objective is to keep the money pumping throughout the... That makes sense. Okay. For me personally, it's about leverage. Um, one thing that I that I really try to do is understand the language of money. And if I have $100,000 and I can get, you know, 10% LTVs on all of them, I can get 10 LTV. properties. Loan to value, right? So for that same $100,000, I can own 10 properties or do it her way where I don't like debt, one property, $100,000. But, but you lose the power of leverage. And you know, like Albert Einstein said, the most 
the one, the, the best thing on earth is compounding, right? So when you can compound and increase the velocity of money, that's how you create tremendous amount of wealth. And that's why I chose to use debt. Of course, you want to use it responsibly, making sure that every single property, I have at least 20% equity to keep that, you know, loan to value. But the thing about real estate, which is, which is incredible is real, the values will go up, right? And every five years, you don't sell the asset, you take, you, you take equity out and then the tenants will pay the loan. So it's like getting a check, getting a check every so often. And, and it, it just, it just keeps going, going, So you growing. keep taking equity out. Yeah. So that's, that's exactly what I do. Right. So because equity is, it's here, unless you're using it and utilizing it, it doesn't, it's just paper. It doesn't do anything. So we have to really understand that you have to leverage every asset that you have. It's all about leverage, right? So if you can't leverage it, it's not bringing you a return. So I would much rather, instead of having equity sitting in a house, I would much rather take that and put buy another property or take that and invest in another appreciating asset like cryptocurrency, for example, right? So the thing is, I don't want equity just sitting there, sitting in a bank, just chilling there. You know, every dollar that you have has to work for you. And the, the game, depending on what level of the game you're playing, it's all about velocity of money. How this gentleman over here said it, Doug said it before. Every investment that I go into, what I do is say, how soon can I get that money back? What is the risk and how long does it take? Those three questions. Say, say it one more time. Every investment that I get into, I ask, how long does it take for the money that I put in to come back? What is the risk and how long does that process take? And once I answer those three questions, I can analyze an investment from top to bottom. And that's basically as simple, you know, sim simply as I, I look at uh, real estate. Gotcha. Yeah. And you're, yeah, in the, yeah. you're, in the, you're in the same market. Yeah, right? I'm in the same market. So just kind of just put in perspective for people to understand. My first property was $250,000, right? I used the FHA 3.5% down. But let's say, for instance, I want to go all cash for that deal. I still would be saving up money working that day job, making $50,000 a year. I'll still be saving to this day before I would have bought that first property. But by using leverage, putting money, just a little bit of money down, borrowing the rest, now I was able to build my empire that, that much sooner, whereas I'll still be in my own way, like, uh, I'm just waiting to save up $250,000 to buy this first deal. So that's like the power of leverage and the velocity of money that you speak of, where you can put a little bit of money, get a bit large asset. As long as you run your numbers correctly and it cash flows, there's nothing wrong with taking on debt. People get into issues when they're buying properties, paying too much, and they don't cash flow. It's a, you know, it's a one uh, debt service coverage ratio. Now they're stuck where they're just banking on appreciation. Hopefully one day the value will go up. But the, what I like about the fact is when you're buying at that 65% rule you, and you refinance at 75%, 80%, you still have 20 to 25% equity in that deal. So if the economy drops 10%, values drop 10%, it doesn't matter technically because you're still cash flowing. And then say five years goes on and that tenant has been paying down the, paying down the debt. So that would means your principal is going down lower, which increased your equity. So like what you said, in five years, you refinance, you could tap into that equity, buy more cash flowing assets. And now you're in that number one subscription business in the world, which is real estate in my opinion. And, and everyone around here, we all have ATM machines. So what is an ATM machine? Every 30 days, we can actually tap into our ATM machines and get a lump sum of cash out and have that on rotation. That's the beautiful thing about real estate. David, see, I'm sorry. Oh my God, the anxiety, I just felt <laughs> it in my stomach. So it works, right? It works, but I know for, especially during this climate, a lot of people, it just didn't work for. What happens when a tenant doesn't pay and then it becomes a domino effect because now you have five different properties. So Mary stopped paying. You had to take a portion of Susie's rent to cover the debt on Mary's. It's just a lot. But when you're dealing with infinite banking, like we talked about, you're able to utilize the same money twice. So yes, I took 100000 but no, I didn't buy a property. I put it into a policy instead. And then I'm able to pull about 70 policy. to 75% of that money out to buy a property anyway. Like for instance, I showed you what 150, take 97 out, right? But the whole 150 is technically still there because it's insurance, like you buy wealth. That that's what happens when it comes down to real estate. And if you think about it on like a, a larger scale, we're talking about leveraging and using banks' money, right? But if you look at the FDIC, they take our money and they buy insurance policies with it because it's tax-free, 
You understand what I'm saying? You're, you're gaining interest between four to eight percent, depending on how your policy is written. So I'm leveraging. I'm just leveraging my money opposed to the bank's money. So so when I listen to wealthy people and they say OPM, OPM, when I start to dig into some of their strategies, the OP is our people. They're like, we're using other people's money. Yeah, the money we're putting in the bank. Mm, You're okay. getting about 1%. So to me, like it works. Like if it's not broke, don't fix it for you guys. But you have to really focus on affluence and not influence. Who you learn from is really, really important because it has to work for you. Real estate now and investing is super sexy. Real real estate is not sexy. Okay, it's hard. It's hard work. It's patience. It's dedication. But you have to have a comfort zone. I don't want a bank to be calling me like, you didn't pay me. And I have to call my tenant like, you didn't pay me. And then it's gotcha. a sob story. Like, oh, no. But, but I, I would say yeah. this, right? It really <clears throat> depends on where you are and what game you're playing, yeah. right? Yeah. So for the investor that's looking to have a small number of doors, I think your strategy works well. But if you're looking to have hundreds or thousands of, I mean, create massive amount of wealth, you have to be able to use leverage. There's no way around it, right? So the other thing too, is that when people talk about, when you really want to, how I had to, I started doing duplexes, fourplexes, sixplexes. I was doing just that, trying to, uh, you know, put money in, cash flow them. But I got to a certain point, if I wanted to double the number of units that I had, I had to come to the table with a million, $2 million, right? So there's no way that I, I could save up $2 million. I had to be able to think of in innovative ways to get that money. And one of the things that I really just want to leave with you, Dave, for those people that are looking to go that route, the way to do it is you have to form teams. You have to learn the rules. You have to learn about syndications. You have to learn how to pull money and you have to learn how to analyze risk. If you have a great deal, the money will follow you. It's as simple as that. If you have a good deal, it's easy to raise $5 million because there's money on the sidelines that's chasing chasing because they're looking for that ultimate return so if you have a good deal that's why i said if you have a deal call me we're gonna get the money we're gonna we're gonna make it pop i don't care if it's 15 million 20 million 30 million we're gonna get the money if it's a good deal i love it i love it yeah i want to get you all's perspective as well well you too yeah well for us i i agree with what they're saying first and foremost it depends on which product type you're dealing with if you're dealing with just residential smaller scale or you're doing multifamily commercial uh, as it relates to leverage. You know, for us, our average deals range anywhere between 35 to 45 million. The so, average deal. The average deal. So it's about 150 to 200 plus units. That's why I can't ask you, hey, you got a building that I'm looking for? That's right. <laughs> it's like, so uh, it's so you, you think about Small that potato. in perspective right now, we have about a this year we'll do about 120 million in development, which is what we pretty much average. So no, we don't have 120 million dollars just to go put out there from a cash <laughs> standpoint. And um, so leverage leverage is good, and you don't want to over leverage. You want to make sure that you're looking at you know some key metrics as you leverage. Uh, one is related to you know what that break even looks like on the property. Like you said, if Susie and Joe and you know don't pay, then you know you start getting that feeling there. You see that cash flow eroding. But it is it's, it's a risk game. If you're not ready to lose money, then don't get in this business. Read about it, hear about it, dream about it. Don't get in. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, we look at the break-even analysis on the deal. So if it's a, a hundred, you know, hundred fifty unit, you know, property, we'll look at that break-even analysis to see at what point, how long can we sustain, you know, um, the economic vacancy dipping, you know, for us to hit the break-even point. Is that an eighty-seven percent economic, you know, vacancy? That means how many people are not paying rent? How many units you're not collecting rent on? whether it's a vacant unit or whether it's an occupied unit. Because some people don't pay not because they're, you know, they're unable to pay. They don't pay because they're unwilling to pay. So, but until you get them to pay, all right, um, you still don't receive that money and that mortgage comes in every month, all right? So therefore, we look at the break even if it's 80%, 83%, 80, 87%, whatever, the higher it is, the risk. 
It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Riskier the deal is. The lower it is, the less risky the deal is. So that's one metric. So that's very important as you look at the deals that you're investing in, is to look at that break-even point. That's all your rents, you know, and minus all your expenses, and look at what that vacancy looks like, and you can figure out what your break-even is, you know, on your deal. Then we look at something that's called debt service coverage ratio. Okay, a lot of times you see the acronym DCR. And that just shows you how much cash flow you're making on that property after it's all said and done. You receive all your rents with at least some type of vacancy that you're gonna project on there. Usually it could be anywhere. They average about 7% on commercial deals, unless it's just an extremely great deal. It's in a strong area, you may go down the 5%. But you pay all your expenses and you look at that cash, that, that net income, that net income that you get, you actually, it's, it's really a formula where you divide that into what your mortgage payment is. And that gives you a debt service coverage ratio. We like to be somewhere around a 1.25. When the deals come to our boardroom, if we're not somewhere around there, then you've got to explain to me what are, what are the other factors that are taking place here for me to even um, look at this underwriting that's not meeting our threshold of that 1.25. It may be 1.20. Maybe there's some things that we'll get that's going to make um, where we, the debt is has to be that high or the interest rate is higher or whatnot. But our residual value which means depending on what our exit is. Remember when I talked earlier? Always understand what your exit is going to look like at the infancy of the deal. And so therefore I can say, all right, we're good to go. Let's move forward on this. This is only a 1.20. So just to give you an example, if it's supposed to, if you, if you, if, if you're, if you think you're, 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 um, you're going to get, you're going to, um, let's see from, uh, from a formula standpoint, you want to make 20% over with that 1.20, you want to make 20% over, you know, the the difference between what your net income is and your your mortgage payment. Yeah. At the end 20%. of the day. 20%. So so okay. If, so if if the note's a thousand, you want to make at least twelve hundred. They, they want to see that. Exactly. Okay. So that 20%, that means you're making two hundred dollars, you know, on that home. That's giving you enough coverage. So if you collect rent for eight months and now Susie does not pay rent for one or two months is behind, you really you can still use some of your cash flow to bridge you during that period of time. Gotcha. All right. So these are some of the things that a lot of times you don't hear about, but that's what your lenders are looking at from an underwriting standpoint. That's what your investors looking at from an underwriting standpoint when they invest in your deals before they say yay or nay. So those those metrics are very important. So it's all about scale and your growth strategy. We're looking to 
you know, grow. We're doing larger projects, so therefore debt is a friend to us. Anybody who's loaning money, I'll even wear a tie for you and show up, okay? So I'll be on the internet looking at properties all wrong. I'll be looking at it like, ooh, that's big enough. Look, I, I was going to say- enough square footage. I could do something with that. I was going to say I loan money, but he need $35 million. I need my $35 million. <laughs> no, I don't need all $35 million. We're going to put our capital in, in the deal. So usually, you know, our deals can leverage anywhere from 65% if it's a market rate conventional deal, and we put 35% equity. So we participate the equity with somebody else. So I don't put, so if it's $100 million worth of project, no, we're not putting $35 million in. We're going to bring in other equity investors. And we may take that 35% and only invest 25% of that $35 million or 40% of it and bring in other partners in the deal. We're still in control and we're driving the deal. So we're looking at how to further leverage. It's not, you don't only leverage with debt, you also leverage with equity. So that's why you don't want to just sit on that capital because you want that cap. I don't want to put all 35 million if that's all we have in one grouping of deals. I want to put it and grow an organization where I can do multiple deals and continue um, to maintain over 100 or so million in development a year. Got it. Do y'all, what about your house? Do y'all pay y'all houses off? Like your personal house? Not in the beginning. No, no. Well, no, you need the, the interest write-off is is a benefit yeah. to you. Yeah. So it depends. Yeah. It's a tax benefit. So you always yeah. want to have a little bit of debt on your home. Yeah. And um, but it's scratch what we said, Hattie. <laughs> yeah, just until so you can get so you can get the interest write-off. It's, it's yeah. a benefit. So plus. You can use that cash again to buy some more doors in New Orleans. Yeah. They told us. So, so, yeah. You like that? Let me don't give you the play. Oh, on let, me, let me get Doug. Then yeah. All right. I just give you the play on the HELOC. So, so I know, I know for me, I'm in no rush to to pay off my house because my interest rate is a 2.75 percent interest rate, right? So I have enough confidence in myself that I could put my money out there in the market, buy more real estate, make way more than 2.75 percent interest. So I'm going to bet on myself than put it in the in the bricks in the house. And also, my property that I bought, it increased in value since the time I bought it about a year ago. It already increased in value about 25, 30% without me having to put additional capital in there. So then I could tap into that equity if I ever need to, um, but I'm in no rush to pay off the house. Because the cash, if you have it, you can put that out in the streets and make more money back. Just, back just real quick, I was giving you and your wife to play on the HELOC. So. Are you listening? <laughs> you, so are we good? What, what you do is you, your home that you live in, right? Yes, you have your mortgage on it, but how do you tap to, into that equity uh, instead of consistently refinancing? Don't do that, right? What you do don't is- Don't refinance. Don't refinance. Why? Well, I'll tell you why, right? Did you say no to? Are you Yeah. The, the reason why is because that mortgage payment, like you might get a loan today and you, and, you know, you live, let's say you live in a half a million dollar house. That, that mortgage payment is probably going to be four or $5,000 a month, right? Fast forward 30 years down the road, uh, that four or $5,000 a month is going to seem like $2,000 today. Why? Because they're constantly printing money. We know the value will be devalued. My parents, their very first house, they paid $35,000 for. This, that house today is worth over half a million dollars, mm. right? So when you look at it from the time perspective, it's just a great investment. But how do you, how do you, how do you tap into the equity? Just get a HELOC, right? It's called a home equity line of credit, which is a HELOC. That's going to allow you to pull, pull equity out of your house without refinancing, and you can use that home equity line of credit to get more properties and use that like a credit card, right? So the house that I live in right now, half a million dollar house. My mortgage is $100,000. I can leverage, not 100%, but at least keeping the 80% LTV in mind, I can leverage and, and get instantaneously about two to 300,000 really easy if I need to, you know, do a deal or, or, or move around some money. Mm. So it's just, it's good to have that option when you're in this business. But on a refi, if your interest rate was high and you're in a low interest rate climate, refi, mm -hmm. you don't need to put, you don't need to pull out any equity and cash out. All you're doing is reducing your mortgage payment and you're building more equity that way because you're paying less of a mortgage payment because your interest rate is lower, which frees more cash. I, I tell my, my clients differently, right? Mainly because when you refi, what you do is you reset the clock, 
right? Mm -hmm. So if you're paying a mortgage for five years, you don't begin to pay down that principal till after the five years. If you keep doing that, you're resetting the clock. You're, you're just giving the bank interest. You want to get to the point where you're paying principal now. So that's why we're in the lowest, interest rates are low as they're ever going to be. So if you're buying a house right now, you're getting the lowest possible interest rate. And that's why you need to, it's, interest rates are only going to go up. So that's why I said, do not refi. If, if you can, like, forget if you can save a couple hundred, but let's say your mortgage payment is $1,000. 800 of that is going straight to the bank's profit. Okay. 200 is lowering your principal, right? That's going to keep you paying. The more you refi, the more you refi. But if I have my house for uh, five years, at least half of that should be going towards principal reduction. That means I'm going to pay my house off quicker, still going to have the ability to tap in, to use the HELOC, to pull out equity, to get more properties, and increase my income. This is a really so, good conversation. Say, so you're saying, so if somebody's at a 6% rate, but then you know they, their, their, their credit situation was different five years ago, but today they can get a 2.5% rate. They should refund. What I said was today is if they If you have a new purchase, If you get a loan for 6%, you got really bad credit. Yeah, so, well, yeah, you want to get out of that. But what? refi means that you had a property before. So now you're looking at the opportunity of today. So that means so if you owned your home for two, three years or five years ago and you were at a 6% interest rate, and today you can get 2%, me, what I say, you refinance your house. Now you have an option, whether you pull equity out of it, you know, um, cash out, or you do a HELOCs or whatever, but you should take the benefit of the lower interest rate climate. Now, you could always beat the amortization schedule and just pay more and act like you're making the same payment that you're just paying down your principal a lot faster if that's what you feel, if that's what you want to do. But always take the benefit of the lowest interest rate. You know, well, option. the issue is that I, I, I you're, paying think, a, you're paying a bank though. So just No, but I, I, I kind of think, I, bossy both sides, we're at, we're at an interest rate floor right now. So now it makes sense. So what he was saying is don't just keep doing it. So you really wouldn't have to keep doing it because it won't be too yeah. Yeah. Once you, But yeah. you only yeah. do that, you do yeah. that when you have a higher situation and you know you can see a major financial benefit by refinancing whenever it takes place. Well, see, here's the thing, okay? If I am my own bank, our mortgage was 318000 We had a mortgage payment of thirty four seventy eight, something like that, right? And when we had the ability to pay it off, we put the money in a policy and let the policy take over the loan. Because remember, your policy is accruing between four to six percent interest. So you're getting paid six percent interest to pay your bills. Do that make sense? Like, would y'all want to be paid to pay your bills? All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. You can do that with rent, too. Let's say that your rent is $1,000 a month, and then you have 12 months in a year. That's $12,000. Start a policy and take that money out to pay for your rent for the year. And now you're accruing 
between four to six percent interest on that twelve thousand dollars, opposed to me paying four. But like I'm listening to y'all, like the interest rates is low. It's low. I don't want to pay nobody interest. What are you talking about? I don't care if it was one percent. Why am I giving you that? You give it to me because it's my money. So it's different ways to circulate it. So what you guys should know is it's not a right way to do. It. None of us up here is right, and none of us up here is wrong. It is just. Well, because it's so cringy because refi and like you said, it's resetting the clock. I am 28 years old. I know that many people are older than me. First of all, 30 years is way too long to owe anybody. It's just way too long. (laughs) They're not like double down on a principle. Dude, like I could be doubling down on a whole nother building. You get what I'm saying? Like you can be revitalizing a whole neighborhood and a a whole area. If you're going to get paid on your money, opposed to because what I'm saying to do is exactly what they're doing with our money. We're up here arguing about how much interest we're going to pay these people. I'm up here arguing about how much interest I want to get paid with the same money I was going to pay these people. Like, they can still get their money. Still. I don't want to not but pay But I think them. as developers, though, like, we look at a much bigger picture than the 6%, just to be honest with you, right? So um, on my developments, we, we're probably going to net $21 million, right? I couldn't do that with a policy and... Um, the small amount, I had to leverage it, right? So I think what happens is, depending on what your exit strategy is, it's what's gonna work for you. Um, for me, you know, um, I have four communities, they have about 200 doors in there. I have 400 investment properties. That would take a long time for me to do through an insurance policy to duplicate. You get what I'm saying? So for me, I know that, um, I know that we have a, a certain amount of time here on this earth and I would like to monetize that time as much as possible. And so I definitely believe in what you said because that is how Disney was started, right? <laughs> Fredericks of Hollywood um, and a lot of other names that we know. But I also think, guys, and, and this is what I think you guys need to take away with this, is that there are so many options for you not to choose one. <laughs> that makes sense, <laughs> right? right that's good. All right, cool. I want I want to get into. It was all right. I want to get into some Q and A real quick because we don't have a whole lot of time. Um, so I want to get into some Q and A. Y'all go with that. Okay. Let's let's answer, let's find out what they want to know versus me being selfish. Uh, first question is who, and you guys can just like line up, just line up to the mic. We could probably get a few questions in, but uh, we just got to line up to the mic. Janelle, what is happening? How are you? So my first question is, uh, my only question is, my grandmother's house is on 169th uh, in Queens, Jamaica, Queens, literally right next to St. John University. She is 86 with dementia, so we know that her time is coming. My uncle, who has power of attorney, is very adamant on selling the property. And her house is the largest house on the block. She is the only black homeowner. And I don't want them to sell it, which means I probably need to buy my uncle, aunt, my mother and cousin out. Do you guys have any suggestions for that situation? We'll get, we'll maybe get two people to answer so we can move on to the next. It was first, who got it? Oh, it's, it's just near and dead in my house. First of all, Queens property values New York City. It's worth is about a million. The most valuable real estate on this planet. But the people there don't realize it and don't know it. So when I see people give that type of generational wealth away, it hurts my heart. It really, it really hurts. If you can keep it, if you can buy your uncle, your aunt, buy them out, pay them what they want to. If that property is free and clear, please come see me. We'll work out something where we could come get some type of loan and you know, make sure that they're whole and you're whole and you can rent that property out. But you're giving away millions of dollars if you walk away from that situation. It's free and clear. She paid 55000 for the property <laughs> years ago. Right. And at each is three levels. Um, each level has its own kitchen, living room, bedrooms. So it's set up for even, Saint, I mean, the students park in front of her house throughout the year. Parents come and visit their kids. So I know me being in real estate, not as heavy as you guys, but I understand the value and what I can do with that property. And uh, I'm just trying to set it up and be in position so that when the time comes, 
I can get the property from them and hold on to it for our family. Go ahead, Chris. I want to suggest a structure to you. See if you can get them to everybody collectively deed it over to you so you have ownership of it. Then you get a, a loan against it to pay them out. You pay them out. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And awesome. Donahue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank Let's you. Get a clap next question, next question. We're going to try to make them quick, all right? I, I, hey, how's everybody doing? Number one, shout out to all the panelists. You guys have been phenomenal. Uh, David, I kind of feel like I'm in a sim similar situation. I got a couple doors, right? I got a couple doors, but I'm not really actively investing in doing this thing to the next level. So here's my situation. I've got a property that's in the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Uh, technically it's in Maryland. I'm up 200,000 in equity, but it's untapped, like my brother said. Um, so based on the recommendation so far, um, I want to kind of get your opinion on maybe how do I leverage that money? What would you do in that situation, right? I've got 200 in equity, potentially in that property. I'm already at a low interest rate, 2.75, I believe, on the property. So what would you guys do starting out with that property to really kick things up a notch in investing? you got to tell us more about the property. Is it income producing? Currently, uh, the mortgage amount is $2,700. Um, I'm actually has a renter in there right now that's paying me $3,500 uh, $3, a month. So cash flow and property, that's why I really didn't want to do anything with it because I'm like, hey, I'm making money, I'm cash flowing, I'm doing well, I've got that passive income coming in. Buy some Louis. You know, life is good. But I want to I want to do more, right? I want to do more. I want to do more with that property. So should I continue to hold on to that asset that's doing well or tap into that equity and go run the play and let's make you know some other moves with that with that i can answer it you can apply you can pledge some of it like at the bank right where you still be in the same great position that you're in but use some of the equity it, they really would put it under a blanket loan as well you know um if you have a great relationship with your bank and take that equity and go and invest it into something else it'll be used as a collateral yeah so they'll collateralize that property so you can freeze some cash out of it not necessarily have to sell it in right. order to get the money out and go invest in another property and um, you know create more value. That's 65% so, though. See what you want to do. You want to yeah, get yeah, the loan yeah. value yeah, yeah, yeah. with the ARV. You're going to do it. We're going to run. All right, I appreciate it. All right, cool. I'm learning. You don't want to be collateralized. How you guys doing? Thank y'all for uh, coming up here and sharing this much knowledge with everybody. Um, I've come into a situation where I work in the tech space and we we successfully were funded. So I'm gonna be in a, coming into some, some large amounts of money here pretty quickly. I do wanna go ahead and buy my first home. I'm only 25, not married, no kids. Should I look at renting so that that cash lasts longer? Should I look at buying a home and what's the best way to do that for this to be my first home? I'm building my credit right now, or maybe a, like a use case or a dual case where I got a commercial property that I transitioned into a, you know, I'm just trying to think of what's in the best long-term interest of the of the business. Yeah, I know for me, what I would recommend for you is uh, with the FHA loan, you can go up to four units. So you can literally live in one of those units, rent out the other three units, live for free while you're building and growing your business. And uh, you know, I'm all about living for free. So you can literally put three, that three and a half percent down, your money will be able to go a, a long ways. You mentioned something about commercial. Uh, with that FHA loan, you can have a commercial space at the bottom and three units above and still have to put that three and a half percent down. And with the FHA, if you find something undervalued that needs some work, there is a 203K FHA lo loan program which uh, before I got married, I had my wife buy an apartment building for 90,000, needed $60,000 worth of work. So we're all in 150, but she only had to put down that three and a half percent. But now that apartment building is worth 450. And the area you're buying is gonna be important too. I always recommend going areas that are just starting redevelopment because you're gonna be get in low. Uh, like it's like buying in Queens before it was Queens now, right? So you're gonna get so much inherent value and asset value appreciation in addition to just buying the house and having the cash flow. Uh, with that FHA is the commercial that has multi-unit within that commercial space. So I know like if commercial mixed use, yep. And I, and I want to add one thing on just because you said you're in the tech space, right? So what's happening right now is where we're living, we're living in a period of time where there's more wealth that's being created now than ever in human history, right? So it's important. I know a lot of uh, millennials, they, they, they basically are, are saying you don't need to own a home. I think it's really important. I think it's great advice. But you're in the tech space. 
So you, you're in a unique position to understand what's taking place. So what I personally would love to see you do is how do you get ownership of digital assets, right? If you understand tech, you should understand what it, what. What's up podcaster or soon to be podcaster, get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know ATL baby, Atlanta, Georgia going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal we're about to walk into right now right we're going into this place where cryptocurrency is going to defy is going to change the landscape of everything and if you don't know about DeFi, please understand the language of money. Understand what, what crypto and what, is, what, what our government is trying to do to us and why they don't want us in crypto. But you're, here, you're on the cutting edge. Don't be a worker. Be an owner in that space, right? Whatever you're, whoever you're working for, whatever you're doing, make sure you own the digital real estate to it as well. That could be many things. It could be land in the metaverse. It could be an NFT. Whatever it is, please, I'm just, you know, you, you understand because you're in that space. Please don't miss this opportunity. Millions of millionaires will be created. Billionaires will be created. In a circle family. Hey. <laughs> hey. uh, my question is similar, uh, sort of kind, but not really. Um, I have two multifamily units out of state. Um, one is uh, 11 unit in Massachusetts. The other is in Chicago, eight unit. And my plan going into this was to go in, um, invest, get the property, 
uh, refinance, pull the money out, use that to scale up and move on. But I've ran into an issue um, pulling out my initial investment in this space because of the commercial loans. Um, so I have probably, well, I have exactly $800,000 equity and between the two of them. And I'm just wondering what would be your advice on scaling? I just, I, I, I guess I tried to refinance with the commercial banks and because I purchased less than a year, they did not want to refinance um, and give me that, that equity out of the place. Well, you got a banker right there. What's he doing? How much equity do you have in the property? I have about 800000 between the two of them. We'll do it. We'll do it. Um, just, just get it. Just get it done. That's right. good. It's light work. That's good. Thank you. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Um, I appreciate all of you. You all are amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a question because I'm in the stock market space and I want to transition into real estate and investing. So if I could snap my fingers and make all of you 18, but in 2022, how would you guys build a $10 million portfolio? I'll start with that right now, right? Where, 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 where do you live? Where's your home? Um, right in Atlanta. In Atlanta? Yeah. First thing I would do immediately. Do you, you don't own right now, right? You don't own right now, right? First thing I would do right now is number one, uh, do you have a job? Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. Okay. So first thing I would do right now, first step is be what we call a thousandaire, which earn bringing in over $100,000 a year. That's step number one. Second step I would do is basically own a, a multifamily, duplex, triplex, as much units as you can get, go out, secure that for yourself. What that will do is it will ba basically make you live better than 70% of Americans that, that, that are existing right now, right? The next thing I would do is I would go out, if you're trying to build, if you're trying to do $10 million, I would tell you that look for opportunities that people are scared of. Look for opportunities that people are running from, right? Look for areas in the real estate realm. Look for areas that are depressed right now. That because it's all, first of all, let me just. I'm sorry about this. I just gotta. I just want you to just follow me one second. <laughs> we we right now. There's more people alive, living and breathing, than ever died in human history. I'm gonna repeat. There's more people living, breathing, running, eating alive right now than ever died in human history. And the number's not even close. What does that tell you? They're not making more real estate. This real estate game, you gotta get in it. You don't have to do everything in it, but you have to have some ownership if you wanna build assets. Then you hold on to your assets. Don't sell your assets. You leverage your assets to get more assets, right? We're walking into a time right now, you're not gonna be able to work, literally. We can have another pandemic. You won't be able to work. So what do you do when you don't work? You're going to depend on the government to pay you, and you're going to be a slave to the government. The people that have incomes, all of us on this panel right now, are in a position where we don't need to go to work. I could take a year off, come back, and I'm still making the same amount of money, right? So it's important that you understand that. It's a, it's a psychology because most of us are not paying attention to that psychology. So I just, you know, you're a young brother. I want you to think about that. And if you do that, and I'm going to give you some things that I love personally. I said it before. Crypto, please do your research. Understand what layer one protocols are. Understand that they're building the metaverse on those protocols. Understand that if you have an opportunity to invest in Microsoft or Apple before they were known and you didn't, you're losing out, right? So that's why I'm saying do your homework. Look for things that people are scared of. Go after it. And I was oh, going to say, as a millennial, yeah, I was say, as a millennial. so like I was 18 not too long ago. It was like 15 minutes ago, probably. But what I would say is definitely give yourself time to do some very critical thinking. OK, and 10 million portfolio, that could be meaning that you have 10 million worth of real estate. It doesn't mean that you have 10 million dollars. So understanding the difference between an asset millionaire and an actual liquid millionaire, those are two different things. And then decide, you know, what part of real estate you want to be in. There's a variety of coverage. Like you die, you get buried. You can literally buy land. There's air rights. You can 
have a farm, all of these things, everything that you do on a day-to-day basis pertains to some type of real estate. And then if you want to be a liquid millionaire, break those numbers down. Okay, if you want to make $10 million a year, divide that. What would that look like? What would you need to make monthly? And then take it a step further. Okay, if I need to make this amount of money, what would I need to make weekly? What would I need to make daily? Damn, what would I need to make hourly? And then you'll be able to break that goal down into consumable parts. Because just to say $10 million, that sounds kind of scary. Yeah, I want like uh, like physical assets. We got to be close. One thing I want to tell I want to tell him. Everything they said is very important, and I would add to it just understanding your why, young man. Your why is very critical, and that's what's gonna, you said 10 million, why not 100 million? It's very cyclical. I've been through two recessions, early 90s, and then the one in 2007. Uh, that lasted until 2013. What kept me going, even though I lost a lot of money during those recessions, was, the, was my why which is my why when I was 22, I thought I, I had a vision to be where I am today. And so therefore you need to understand your why and do all these other things that they're saying and make sure that you seek mentorship as you go along your journey. All right? All right. Give a round of applause. I really, really want to answer your question, but we have to go. However, a couple of these people will be here when we close, okay? If y'all got a few minutes. Um, but we have to wrap up. Did y'all enjoy yourselves? Yeah. <laughs> okay, baby, I hear you back there, okay? Um, we're gonna, I, 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 I know we gotta go. I just wanna, um, one, thank you all for coming. And y'all came from across the country to be here, and I am honored. How many of y'all live in Atlanta? Just, just Eddie. Everybody else flew here. Which um, I, I, I can't thank y'all enough. I can't thank y'all enough. It was really just a call. And you know, they say, yo, I'm there. And I, 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 it's, it's hard for me to express um, like my gratitude. But not only for me and coming here, but you all's willingness to educate the culture. There's, we would never, ever have a chance to have these conversations, ever. There are people that may be here, 30s, 40s, 50s, never had this conversation. There's people outside that are never, ever going to hear what a HELOC means or understand the 65%. They'll never even hear a conversation about being debt-free. or They'll never even hear the conversation. So I, uh, I thank you all for coming on the platform and um, just sharing. So please, let's give them a round of applause. We can do better than that. Let's give them a round of applause. We can do better than that. Give a round of applause. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So we are gonna we're gonna close out. Um, again, this episode is sponsored by my sister, who is teaching people how to build wealth. Terry Agioma. Go to tradeandtravel.com. Check her out. Um, I, I I am super impressed. She's teaching me how to trade as well. Um, so I would love for you guys just to, uh, just close us out with a word. Thirty seconds. 30 seconds, man. All right, 30 okay. seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Just 30, 30 thank seconds. You. Give, us a, yeah, give, give, give us a word um, that can take us out of here. Yeah, just want to thank you, Dave, for just, you know, having the opportunity here. But all, just to conclude it, I really didn't get a chance to talk about my bank. I own a, a bank. I'm the co-founder as well as the CEO of a bank called Money Avenue. It's a fintech bank. We are going to revolutionize banking. And what we do is we offer innovative solutions to get financing on real estate, as well as NFTs, which many people aren't really talking about, but digital real estate is just NFT. That's all it is. So if you are in the space looking to build a real estate portfolio, please reach out and would love to work with you guys and, and, and help on yeah, your Yeah, let them know how to find you too. Yeah, so you can find us, um, the website is moneyavenue.com, well, moneyavave.com. But we have a, we're launching in two weeks, right? But the app, the website is there. Where we've been in business. We're one of the fastest growing companies in America, Inc. 500. But we're coming out with a brand new product. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to two hundred dollars with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com/goals24. That's chime.com slash goals 24. Chime feels like progress. 
Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Offering in two weeks, so you can tune in to that on the website and uh, appreciate any support, you know, as we grow. Cool. Guys, I would just say that it is way harder to survive than it is to thrive. So all of that grit, you know, make it intentional. Okay, you have to make your struggle worth it. Put yourself in a position, I'm gonna lock in for five years, 10, whatever, and then I'm gonna come out stronger so that you no longer have to go through that period again because we focus so hard on just, you know, getting through to the next day. Like, no, let's just plan so that we can have a really shitty 10 days, right? But then when day 11 comes, all of those seeds that we planted in that mud we were in, they start to grow and become fruitful. Yeah, means let them know how they can find you, too. Uh, rosebuds, investments everywhere. Both words are plural. Rosebuds as well as investments on all platforms. Yeah, let's clap it up for us. Mr. Senegal. All right, I'm going to give y'all my approach for my philosophy for success with everything. I call it the success triangle. You need three things. You need the knowledge and experience. You need the opportunity. And you need the money. We're taught we have to come to the table with all three. That's not true. You find one of them and you go partner with the people that have the other two. That's your shortcut to success, okay? So I use that for everything, applies to anything. Um, and I'm Chris Senegal across all platforms. There it is, clap it up. Hey, I know you're brand new to social media. Like, you just started Instagram like two weeks ago. That's right. I still don't know what it is. <laughs> it's actually Eddie Benoit Jr. Right? Eddie Benoit Jr.? All right, make sure you follow me. Great. Listen, just really brief. As I said, understand your why, why you're in this business. And don't fall in love with any particular deal that's rule one, number one in this business. I mean, my man here, he didn't even fall in love with his, his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that's cold right there. But no, it's true. Don't fall in love with any particular deal. Uh, again, it's again, take the emotional side out and focus on the business. And, um, you know, if you want to follow what we're doing, you know, our company as a development company here, but all throughout the Southeast, you could always check us out on www.thebenoitgroup.com. But if you want to get more close up with me, we just launched a, um, a show is a real estate you know, show that's called Shape the Deal. And where we're able to pass out a lot of this information as to how you put your deal together some of the secrets in this industry that people don't share like we're talking about today. So it's really simple. You can go on YouTube and go to Shape the Deal and, um, and you'll see a series of episodes that are, that are, that are one is launched now, but we'll launch them, you know, um, every other week, so. Cool, clap it up. Terrica. Yeah, so what I would say is each and every last one of you guys in here are an investor. The difference is some get returns and some don't. Right. And so the liabilities you purchase today are the rich folks assets. So every time you look at buying a liability, you need to know that you're making someone else richer and not yourself. You can find me at Female Real Estate Guru. Yeah, I think I think for me, the biggest thing is your input determines your output. So you have to really audit what you're putting into your body, into your mindset, and that's going to help determine your output. So if you put in garbage, you're going to get garbage. So if you're going to put in education and execution, then you're going to get the, the output that you're looking for. So I think for me, it's all about freedom and mobility. And I'm thankful for real estate for providing me with the freedom, providing me with the mobility. If you guys want to connect with me, connect with me on all platforms. But it's Doug, D-O-U-G. My last name, Depp, is like the abbreviation for a department with the E at the end. And you can also go to executewithdoug.com. There it is. Thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all for tuning in. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe to the channel, make sure you follow y'all follow on Instagram. I mean the 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 podcast on your Apple and Spotify device. Please subscribe, please like it, please rate us five stars if you think we're a five-star podcast and leave a review. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now go build some wealth, okay? Listen, go get you some social proof, meaning go build something. But it's your obligation to come back to your community and teach them how you did it. We're out of here. Come join the most amazing live mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs every morning. Let's go. The, the Morning Meetup. Do you have a business idea you need to get off the ground? Do you currently work a nine to five and are looking for supplemental income? Come and network with like-minded individuals and take your business to the next level. Every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with David Shand and friends. 
Try The Morning Meetup today for just $1. Head over to themorningmeetup.com. That's themorningmeetup.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.